When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Hi, I'm Matt Lieb. And I'm Vince Mancini. And this is Pod Pod Yourself a Gun. A Sopranos podcast where Vince Mancini and I go through every single episode of The Sopranos and talk about it. Uh, We appreciate you all so much for being here. Just wanted to remind you right up top, uh, please give us five stars on iTunes or wherever you get podcasts. Isn't that right, Vince? Shouldn't they do that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Why? We just started, and you sound like you already gotta go. I just feel like you don't. You, you don't have to harangue people to give a review at the beginning of the show. Let's let let them listen first. Yeah, I know, but we, you know, we got a special thing. We do things differently here. But all right, since Vince is so impatient <laughs> to get going, I just want to remind people to go to patreon.com slash broadcast and join the $8 pod yourself a shout out tier. This week, we didn't have any $8 donors, so I'm not going to give you uh, a mafia name. But, you know, if you uh, if you do that, then I will. So, uh, yeah, patreon.com slash broadcast $8 pod yourself a shout out. All right, Vince, let's get started. Uh our guest today, uh, this is a, a very special guest, one near and dear to my heart. Usually we have on, you know, someone famous or a comedian uh, who's not famous, but I know personally. This time we have on someone who I know personally from years and years and years, a dear, dear friend of mine. Our guest today is Amelia Cady. Hi, everyone. Hey, Amelia. How you doing? <laughs> I'm great. I'm so happy to be here. I'm happy that you're here. Uh, for those of you who don't know uh, Amelia, uh, Amelia and I known each other since college. Uh, we are, uh, I mean, she's known me for a very, very long time. And um, I thought it was important to bring her on because of the fact that the last week's episode, we had the guy from Eve 6 on, uh, Max Collins, and we spent a good portion of it uh, just talking about Stephen Jenkins. Um, and I had mentioned that Stephen Jenkins was in my life because, uh, he at one point had a relationship with a friend of mine. Well, Amelia, you are that friend and, uh, and also you're a fan of the Sopranos and you listen to this podcast. This isn't coming as news to her. 
Uh, yeah. yeah, no, you knew. I was you knew drinking a lot back then. <laughs> <laughs> Who wasn't? But, I did what? <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. I don't know if you know this, Amelia, but uh, you used to fuck the third eye blind guy uh, <laughs> for a long <laughs> time. And this isn't just so like. So long. <laughs> this isn't just like, like, oh, you guys hooked up one time, like, uh, you know, groupie shit. Like, <laughs> you guys were together for a minute like are we gonna uh, have to start like semi-charmed pod to really just get into all these stories i mean at this point yeah at this point i think that like season four (laughs) is gonna be the theme song is just gonna be like pod 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 (laughs) pod pod i'm podding i'm podding i'm living i'm podding i'm living i pod for me uh (laughs) me it's a real podcast (laughs) <laughs> one motor podcast she goes pod and she speaks in my butt all right um <laughs> so yeah you guys were together for a while and uh i i just wanted to bring you on also because you listen to the show and are a big sopranos fan uh so i was like oh amelia you you gotta come on well i'm so happy to be here i uh loved max's episode yeah. Um, it was like I was listening to it and I told you, Matt, that it was like he summoned Steven's demon. Like oh, when yeah. he did the impression of him and he did the little mouth like yeah. thing, it was it reminded me of hereditary and Paymon's tongue click. Uh-huh. Like I was listening to it and got chills. I was like, he's here. He's yeah, been it, it was amazing. He was able to so. I heard you're dating yeah. Sonia. Like, yeah. like it was this detail that I, I like I didn't consciously notice until you pointed it out. I was like, yeah, that was what made the impression perfect. Cause he used he has this, it's a cocky little that he does. Like he just smacks yeah. his oh, it's fantastic. And but, the uh, fact that Max like remembered that after all these years, I mean it must be like what, 15, 20 years? And then yeah. twenty plus, because the Sopranos plus, is, yeah. is exactly like twenty years almost from when we're recording this. And uh you know, that was and, yeah, that was late nineties. So that's like more than twenty years. Damn. Yeah. And and like he his understanding <laughs> of Steven's psyche was so spot on. It yeah. was mildly terrifying. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it, he he definitely. I mean, he toured with him for two years, so he gets it. But you don't you don't need to be in contact with Stephen for that long to know exactly what he's like and what he's about, which is kind of amazing. Um, it takes you three years. Yeah. <laughs> what were your experiences with Stephen Jenkins like? Well, <clears throat> is he gonna sue us you- now? <laughs> Yeah, no, he's gonna no. Sue all of our poor asses. Um, <laughs> I'll tell us. you what. <laughs> I uh, the night I met him, uh, I had hired him for uh, an event I was producing, and after the show, I was with my best friend Sarah, who you know, Matt, and mm-hmm. he invited us back to his hotel room, which I had booked, so I knew it was the nicest room at the Four Seasons, uh-huh. and kind of wanted to see it. Yeah. Um, and he invited us back and said. Uh, if you come to my hotel room, I'll order a big chocolate cake. And um, that nice. did it for me. I was pretty drunk and hungry. And I, thought, <laughs> I thought that sounded like a good time. We got there and <laughs> uh, he's like, I'm going to, he literally said, I'm going to slip into something more comfortable and went into the bathroom and changed. And I remember <laughs> he Sarah, just came out in, in someone else's human skin. <laughs> like, <laughs> yes. What the fuck? 
<laughs> I remember Sarah and I looking out at the view of the city and uh, her turning to me and saying, um, I hope I hope this joke is worth it. <laughs> because, you know, as you know, Matt, because you know me really well, like I'm the type of person that if it's going to be a funny story, I'm going to do it. And mm-hmm. sometimes it gets a little out of control per this relationship. <laughs> but, you're really, you're um, really committed to the bit for like three yeah, years. Yeah. <laughs> yes, like to a clinical level. <laughs> but um, so, yeah, he came out in some like basketball shorts and um, we just all hung out and it wasn't it wasn't weird. I mean, it was super weird, but I mean, it wasn't like sexual. Mm-hmm. Um and uh, yeah, like a while later when I was no longer in a relationship, uh, he he conned me into meeting up. <laughs> he conned you? What you mean? He was just texted you? Another cake? Uh, no, he, oh God, it's so, I sound like so dumb. <laughs> but he was like, oh, I need help with this nonprofit I'm starting. And I was like, sure. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, people! For those of you listening at home, she just did the the greatest impression of a blowjob I've ever seen. Oh, that was very funny. So, um, yeah, no, and uh, because of you, Stephen Jenkins was just someone who was in our life for for a long period of time. Uh, to this day, uh, you know, I you would get the occasional text from him, and uh, and it's uh, very interesting. So. Yeah, so when we had hey, Max on, I, I heard you telling stories about me on your podcast. Yeah, straight up, straight up. Like, <laughs> I, I mean, one time I invited listening. him. I, I I invited him to uh, like a, a a comedy show that I was doing in San Francisco, um, and uh, he said he was going to come, but of course he didn't show up on time, and I had already told I all was the with co- him. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> I told all the comedians that. Uh, the guy from Third Eye Blind is going to be here. And uh, he didn't show up. You guys didn't show up till later until like uh, Jessica Seeley, former guest Jessica Seeley, was on yeah, stage. I love her. Oh, she's so funny. And she said, um, uh, I, I heard that the guy um, uh, from Third Eye Blind is supposed to be here, but he didn't show up, did he? And then just you hear like all it's silence. And then he goes, yeah, he did. <laughs> I literally put my head into my hands. I was like, no. And then and then Jessica, bless her, continued with the joke, which was incredible. Yeah, no, she's a trooper. She keeps going. But uh, no, no, no one's ever been more comfortable uh, commanding a room than Stephen Jenkins. And I, I thank you dearly, uh, Amelia, for, for bringing him into my life. I'll tell you what, I, I was never bored. That yeah. that's for sure. Yeah. And not- I, I was trying to think about like I don't want to speak disparagingly of him. I have a lot of love for him and he knows that, but yeah. I was trying to think of like funny stories I could tell in here that wouldn't be like compromising his uh privacy. And sure. the one that kept coming up was we got in this fight on the street where I lived on Valencia in San Francisco. And I was just like really torn up, you know, when you're like in a heated argument with someone you love. And I was just like, so fucked up about it. And we got in such a bad argument on the street that he like ran away. And <laughs> like, I watched him like prance away and like so flamboyantly <laughs> that like I instantly was no longer upset. I just started laughing and was like, there's no reason to be upset right now. <laughs> like, look at this 
grown man's prance. <laughs> so I, oh. I'll tell you that story. That's but amazing. thanks for having me on. I'm to talk about the Sopranos. I, I have a funny story there, which is when it came out, uh, my mom was like, let's watch it together because we have codependency issues. So we do everything together. Sure. And uh, so this was a great episode with mom stuff. Um, and so I watched it. My mom is also extremely sex negative and, and like <laughs> wants you to know about it. So like every episode where there was like, you know, at the titty bar, like any kind of sex shoot. Oh, disgusting. You know, <laughs> and it's already yeah. awkward to watch sex with your parents. So oh, yeah. um, that's when I decided my strategy would just to tell her I hated The Sopranos, even though it was my favorite show. Oh, damn. And so just to uh, avoid would, watching it with her. Yeah, because I'd rather have died. Um, yeah. And so so I would tell I was like, I hate it's too violent. Like, I hate it. And she's like, All okay, the I'll watch it without Ugh. you. Yeah. Yeah. Gross. And then it, as soon as she'd leave the house, I'd watch I'd watch it. So I was Damn. secretly watching Sopranos as a kid. And then um, you're like, Ugh, I watched when it big again. pussy turns states evidence. My God. Yeah. And she's yeah. like, wait a no. second. How do yeah. you know yeah. that? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. But uh, and then I rewatched it during COVID because, you know, home all the time. Sure. And it was really interesting to watch it as an adult the main thing that was different for me was as a kid watching it, I remember Tony having sex with all these beautiful women and being like, I don't, that is disgusting. Like who would yeah, do that? Who, who would and fuck then this guy? As an, yeah. And then as an adult, I was like, I will die if I don't fuck him. <laughs> <laughs> like, can I exhume his body and reanimate it? Like truly desperate so much sex appeal. I, I I got you're you're totally right. I got to admit, I like obviously I feel the same way, but not not in a not like a, like a gay way. But like as <laughs> when I first watched it, I was like, yeah, who's fucking this guy? But then I, uh, you know, as I started getting older and gaining a little bit more weight, I was just like, you know, I kind of get it. Like he's got this domineering kind of like. I don't know. He's just like a. He's got uh, like a, a big BDE, which is big dad energy. He's very. He does. He's very he much does. a dad. Yeah, a big dawn en- energy and big dawn energy. <laughs> the other thing, the thing that still terrifies me about it is like watching it and thinking about the fact that he's like a year and a half older than me, or like or less oh, when yes. he filmed this. Like it, that that occurred to me last episode, and every time I think about it, it still blows my mind. Yeah, no, it is crazy because he's like, he's clearly, um, I mean, he's a very unhealthy looking man. He he is very unhealthy, but at the same time, just, like, I don't even know that he looks that unhealthy, but he just looks like at least 10 years older than he is. Like, I think of him as yeah. like a 50 year old man. Right. And, and then I think about the fact that he's not. And, and it's, uh, it's very, it's strange. I'll say that. Yeah. He's, he's in the first season. He's in his fucking late thirties. <laughs> That's just insane. Um, well, well, I have a friend from upstate New York, and it's really his story to tell, but he knew, why can't I think of his name? James Gandolfini. James Gandolfini. And um, he knew him and would like hang out at this dive bar with him. And based on the things they did together, there's no surprise he died young. Is what oh, really? Say. Yeah. But you like, mean, was a like, total player. Like, oh, but like drugs and stuff too? Yeah. Like, yeah, a little up the nose. Oh, well, that's too bad. Who doesn't? You know, who, yeah. Who, 
Who doesn't? Everyone does. Everyone's done a little bit of cocaine, a little bit and of cocaine. Just gotten their little get your beak wet. Yeah, get a little gabagool up the schnazzle. <laughs> yeah. Schnazzle is how you say nose in Italian. All right, guys. Well, before we get more into The Sopranos than we already have, uh, I think it's time for us to play the theme song. Pod. 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 Podcast. All right, ladies and gentlemen, today we are going to be talking about from season four, episode two of The Sopranos, No Show. No Show, which premiered September 22nd, 2002. Uh, Vince, why don't you break us off a little piece of that synopsis? With Polly in jail, Christopher becomes acting capo, but he heads off, gets off to a bad start. That's the HBO Max synopsis. The IMDb synopsis. They're getting shorter. Synopsis. They're getting really shorter. I'm just letting you know. It did feel all... too short. Like, we didn't, they didn't even tell what no, the I've, subplots I've, were. I've looked at all... They've updated all of the HBO Max synopses, and now they are all one sentence, which is like... I feel like is a direct response to our podcast making fun of their synopses. I, I just think every streaming service is, like, trying to Mandela affect us all the time. Like, they're constantly... Yeah tinkering with random shit for no reason mm-hmm. and uh and then it's, it's like oh it's just a little bit different than you remember it because fuck you yeah 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 stop trying to fuck with our brains corporations yeah uh the imdb synopsis is a little more in-depth uh chris earns chris's success earns him some jealousy adriana learns the truth about her friend and meadow still claims that jackie jr's death still weighs heavily on her yeah yeah, that's good. Those are all those are all good. But uh, Vince, what was going on uh, at the time that this episode came out? Yeah, that's right. You know, as we say, uh, art cannot be evaluated without you know knowing the context in which it was released, and you know that's why we have uh, the remember when machine. What? What? Remember. Remember when is the lowest form of conversation. That's right. We're going all the way back to September 22nd, 2002, which is like, I don't know, 19 and a half years ago. God damn. Uh, I don't want to think about that. If you conceived a child on that day, uh, it would be Meadows age right now. Um, Fuck. Yeah. Um, Some of the things that were going on uh, that week. um, This is from the New York Post. Uh, General tells Bush, we're ready to smack Iraq. The commander of the U.S. forces in the Persian Gulf says his troops are ready for war with Iraq when and if President Bush gives the order. That was a fun time when it was like, hey, you know what we're going to do? We're going to invade Iraq. And then there was like six months where they they just kept talking about it until they finally did it. Yeah. And also, uh, I mean, a very exciting strategy. That was a smart strategy. They just like put it out there so early that after six months of it, you were kind of just like, all right, fucking do it already. I mean, never has uh, like a society so obviously manufactured consent before. (laughs) Like we should fight a war, huh? (laughs) 
You know what would be cool? Smack-a-rack. You just like, <laughs> yeah. and people were like, oh, I guess so, dude. I don't know. They keep saying it. We still had a lot of old school like radio DJs around back then that just, you know, that they went yeah. to for those headlines. Yeah, they loved it. Um, another, we got another article about uh, Gwyneth Paltrow uh, during New York Fashion Week. Um, uh-huh. Oscar Great. winner Gwyneth Paltrow proved she's an equal opportunity muse. Just about every top designer can dress her up and trot her out. Uh, she's de- she's the clothes hanger. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's <laughs> yeah, not a challenge. Yeah, yeah. She's definitely the Aubrey Hepburn of our time, said Don Purple, a publicist who attends <laughs> yoga regularly with Paltrow. <laughs> Don Purple is just the gayest mafioso ever. It's like a gay slur that somebody in the mob would say, oh, he's a Don Purple. Hey, Don Purple over here. (laughs) Fucking A. Uh, Yeah, he's got like a no-show job at a tanning salon. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I just like the fact that they quoted a random person named Don Purple who uh, who was her yoga buddy, apparently. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the top movies yep. in the nation, Barbershop, The Banger Sisters, My Big Fat Greek Wedding, and uh, Ballistics, X versus Sever. Who could forget that one? I remember it, but only because of the name. <laughs> yeah, same, me too. Uh, yeah. Same songs as last week. Uh, pop song, Dilemma by Nelly with Kelly Rowland. And rock song is still uh, By the Way by the Red Hot Shitty Peppers. How dare you? You think I didn't hear you say shitty just then? Oh, I Fuck did. You, bro. Fuck you. One hot bro. minute was still good, though. It was very good. Mm-hmm. Um, wait, one hot minute? Yeah. It's better than Californication. You mean blood sugar sex magic? Both. I mean both. Wow. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Look at that. I, I mean, obviously disagree. blood sugar sex magic, but. <laughs> well, uh, Amelia, you're from uh, San Diego area, so yeah. I feel like you have more of a right to rate the red hot chili peppers than vince does being from fresno so uh right. what are your thoughts how dare you i agree uh i also got to hire them for an event i produced oh shit and um i was like i'm i gotta fuck anthony Keenis. <laughs> <laughs> no i'm Did kidding you- i would i was with my husband at the time and also anthony Keenis barely looked at me <laughs> Damn. I saw. That's what happens once you hit 30, dude. Yeah. (laughs) That's true. It's a lot different. It must have been like being, you know, that FBI informant that had to hang out with uh, Christopher and Adriana. Oh, yes, it must. And I got to say, good segue, bro, because it is time for us to talk about the episode. Now, I thought they did a great job with the synopsis there, um, but I, I feel like. I should do the Bada B stories. And um, this week I have a very special Bada B story um, for you guys. Uh, and I, I, I'd i like to present it to you right now. Mm. Mm. <laughs> Soprano season four, episode two, no show. Chrissy gets police crew. <laughs> Ask Patsy, what are we fighting for? Metal says out loud, I want to get out of this. Adriana tells the FBI she can't have kids. So here's your bite of bee. Esplanade breaks ground. Ralphie says she needs. Mole is 90 pounds. Here's your bite of bee. 
Meadow wants to go to Europe, leave university, and Adriana gets flipped. Here's your bada be. Bada be stories. <laughs> oh, yeah. Stop oh, my dick, no. bitch. Yo, no. this is LA <laughs> Oh, oh, did you freestyle at the end? <laughs> no, no, you can turn it off. <laughs> I forgot to cut that part. <laughs> oh Wait, really? God. You didn't mean to do that? No. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh my God. Um, okay, I know I'm biased, but I think that's your best work yet. Oh, thank you, thank you. <sighs> I mean, you know, I mean, and just in terms of getting all the storylines down, I think I did a great job. Um, once again, <laughs> Stephen Jenkins, um, please feel free to reach out at uh, frogcast at gmail dot com uh, for a <laughs> or my number. Yeah, <laughs> which you have memorized. <laughs> yeah, yeah, or just text me. He's uh, gonna see the shit out of you, dude. Uh, I hope not, dude. <laughs> 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 all right, so. Um, yeah, so let's just get some general thoughts on this episode. Uh, Vince, um, what storyline do you think you want to start with? I mean, obviously, we start, you know, we start with with uh, with the FBI agent, but quickly we move into the Carm Meadow uh, yes. conflict, which uh, very enjoyable storyline. Um, Meadow has come back as you know the uh, the the obnoxious college fresh the obnoxious college freshman archetype that we all know and love and yeah but it's mixed with something else now because she's kind of split between two things she's still the obnoxious college freshman but she's also kind of like channeling her new jersey shore trashness as well you know mm-hmm. so she's like she's like kind of She's at a crossroads in this episode where she can either choose to go back to university, uh, go back to Columbia, or choose to be kind of like an aimless, you know, floating rich kid. Um, and uh, well, I think yeah. um, I, f- I feel like her time at Columbia has prepared her to be even more of the bratty child that she already was. It's just it's given her like oh, yeah. new types of ammo to like throw in her mom's face, which was kind of like always her thing. Yeah, yeah. It, it, she's been like throwing shade at her mom like since the beginning of the series, but uh I got to say there is a moment in this episode at the beginning where it feels like Carm uh fucking owns Meadow for a second. Um and uh it's when when uh Carmela asks Meadow to explain what the canon is. Yeah. Uh and I I have a clip of that. Jesus, did you ever lose a friend at my age? Did you ever have to grieve when you were 19? Meadow, honey, you should have been working this summer instead of laying out by that pool. I read, Mom, out by that pool. Probably half the canon. The canon, okay. What is that now? Now, Western literature, dead white males, who even in their reductionism have quite interesting things to say about death and loss. Maybe more interesting than what you have to say. Is Mary Higgins Clark a part of that group? Because that's what I saw you reading every time I passed by the pool. Just damn, dude. I, I, I also, thought that was super slam. She also seemed like she took the high road a bit there. Because, uh, you know, when Meadow says, uh, hey, did you ever have to grieve someone at 19? I feel like she would have been like, hey, uh, I married a mafia Don. You think I never <laughs> met a dead person? <laughs> Yeah, she she definitely did not take the bait there. And, uh, you know, I think it's because, like, 
she's tired of having to explain to Meadow that like you're not the only human being who's ever existed who's <laughs> experienced loss. Um, yeah. yeah. But yeah, it's like the relationship itself is uh, is starting to fray in this great way because like Meadow, uh, she's already reached the point in Lisa and Carm's mind where like there's no there's no like reasoning with her and so she's just like getting in these little burns just being like bitch you've been reading mary higgins clark next to the pool don't t- talk to me about the canon it's just fucking beautiful what did uh, mary higgins clark write i don't even like i sort of have seen that I, name but i don't know i literally have no idea but it's one of those names that you just it screams like airport novel uh-huh. author you know and so i was like hell yeah fucking just just got her dude like fuck you meadow <laughs> fucking think you're so fucking hot uh we and should she, also point out that this uh this episode first of all i feel like this era comes from a time when uh like open titillation was more acceptable on uh premium tv and i feel like what do you mean i feel like that we still enjoy that but now it's uh you you have to it's so prestige now that you have to come up with an explanation for why we like to see scantily clad people on, on TV. And so that like this episode begins, you know, with the hot FBI agent in her bra, uh, and oh. then it quickly moves to like meadow in a bikini. And then it's like three, it's like it's three lot. underwear and or bikini shots in a row. It's a lot of, is a lot of words, Vince, for, uh, the TV people may you horny. Yeah. Yeah. Also, uh, Vince, yeah. you sound like my mom. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, just, I'm not. Why I'm, isn't I'm she wearing a shirt? <laughs> I, I liked it. I'm not. I'm not complaining. Yeah, I just yeah. feel like well. now. Now they dress it up where it's like, oh, it's gonna be part of the story. Like if it doesn't make sense. Like remember early Game of Thrones where it was just yeah. like people yeah. fucking constantly, and then later on they. F- it seemed like they had to like try and justify it, even though right. in the first like three seasons, there's at least one naked sex scene per show, and yeah, yes, it should be. Well, it it turned into a conversation about like rather than justifying the sex, they were like, "Well, you have to at least justify the rape," you know, because it was like that show was just nothing but rape. There was just like so much rape going on on that show to the point where people were like, "At the very least, like you have to tell me why there's so much rape." And uh, and I feel like the way they did that was just uh, by making Ramsey. Um, he he still was a rapist, but he was also doing a lot of torture too. So they were well, like, "Well, yeah, Whoa. they cut uh, they cut they cut Reek's dick off because he was having so much sex early in the show, and That's they needed true. they needed to punish him for it." Yeah, he got his dick got canceled. He was the first person <laughs> to ever get canceled as a character. They were just like, "Let's cut his dick off and uh, and and please the mob." Um, um, pro tip for any of your young listeners, uh, yeah. which is what I did which is you take a book cover for what your mom wants you to read by the pool and you put it over the book you actually want to read, which is oh. how I spent most of my summers. So it was a lot of my mom saying, oh, Wind in the Willows again. And it was just James Patterson being like, then he fucked her mouth or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> it was great. That was my childhood. No, that's so good. That's what that, that scene took me back to that and um, also my issues with my mom. Oh, man. Did James <laughs> Patterson ghostwrite the first few Game of Thrones uh, seasons? <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah, like, uh, your mom's just like, why, why does Amelia keep masturbating to uh, <laughs> the Velveteen <laughs> Rabbit? <laughs> <laughs> She 
just she reads a John Updike book and then she just plays with her pussy. It's so weird. Uh, so yeah, uh, Meadow is you know kind of uh, she's she's going through it. You know she's trying to figure out like you know whether or not she's gonna go back to school and she kind of drops a bomb on her parents like uh, you know saying. I don't think I'm ready to even go back to school. Um, I think I want to take a year off and go to Europe. And uh, was they, this before they... we had the gap year? Because I noticed that she'd never used the phrase gap year, even though that's what she wanted to do. It might have he been... uses it. Does, does he? he use in the it? episode? Yeah, oh, he does. she's like she does in the episode. She's like, why do you think they do a gap year? Like everybody should go to Europe. Oh, oh I didn't. I must have missed yeah. it because I, yeah. I kept waiting for her to say it, and I, I missed yeah. it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, she threw that right in their faces. Yeah, I went to Europe when I was like, th- you know, 33 or something and stayed in a hostel, which was probably, I was probably starting to age out of uh, hostels, yeah. if we're being honest. But uh, yes. when I stayed there and like, you know, I'd never, I'd never been to Europe or like stayed at a hostel before mm-hmm. that age. And, uh, you know, immediately you see like the 19 and 20 year old mm-hmm. Australian dudes who like work there and then just take their job is like taking uh, a group of like 15 backpackers from different countries on a pub crawl every night and, and then I, fucking one of them. And I'm like, and I'm looking at this and being like, wow, these guys found a glitch in the matrix. Like what was I thinking? <laughs> Not taking a gap year and just like working at a stupid hostel uh, where I get drunk with people every night uh, for a year. Yeah. Like everyone yeah. should do that. Absolutely. Yeah, I think about that. You know, there's a lot of things in life that I feel like opportunities to live like kings that I missed out on, you know, <laughs> yeah. like I could have fucking I could have done that. Um, I could have just joined that sex cult, uh, you know. <laughs> yeah, just... you got pretty close. If you had had more money, yeah, the only reason I... you didn't is you were poor. I literally was too poor to join the sex cult yeah. and, and yeah. just yeah, kept you being don't, like. You don't like know that these things exist unless you're like at least upper middle class. So like those yeah. things just well, passed by I, as things that I didn't ever hear about or know that people did until much but later. But this was, uh, looking back, this was the most affordable sex cult. It was in San Francisco. <laughs> yeah. It was the yeah. one where everyone was just, it was called like One Taste or One Touch oh, or whatever. Oh, the fingering one cult? Taste. Yeah, it was the fingering yeah. The yeah. fingering cult. And like, you know, I knew people that were in it. And like, I just was like, please just let me, let me just like sit in on one class for free. And she was like, ask your family for $200. And I was like, I would, I can't, I'm, I'm a drug addict in recovery. If I'm like, can I just get 200 bucks real quick? They'll, they will be like, you are on drugs again. Like, no, no, it's a finger bang cult. It's different. But yeah. So it's, it's like. It's for pussy. <laughs> it's for pussy. Uh, I think that, but, but wouldn't that cult have been like theoretically great but yet everyone in there is it, it seems like it'd be like hbo real sex where you turn it on hoping to see like hot people and then you go there and everyone is either like an awful yeah. old hippie or just insufferable in some other way yeah, no, yeah i mean they were insufferable but they were some of them were like kind of hot one of the guys who started it i don't know if i should say started it but he was very involved was on like a dating app and was talking to me and i i know people that were in it and i was like there were definitely people i'd let finger me <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but that's not saying much you know yeah no that's true you'd let anyone with a hit in the 90s finger you. <laughs> it, never it. it never it gets really old it really doesn't yeah it really doesn't. <laughs> Um, so yeah, Meadow, uh, she wants to do a gap year, you know, she wants to go abroad and she wants to get finger fucked by an Australian and like, 
And I and her parents are not into it. You know, Tony and and Carm are trying to talk her out of it. Um, and one of the ways they do it is uh, they get her to see a therapist. Right. Um, and she ends up getting. Um, yeah, the idea I, I, is that well, Car- Carmela's idea is that uh, she can get this therapist to talk some sense into Meadow and into not going on the gap year, which I think she says, you know, maybe she'll toe the line for accountability and uh, something else. Yeah. And it's very funny because it's like the whole point of sort of the the mafia is that it's you know like the funhouse mirror of crony capitalism basically right. where they they realize that this whole system is sort of a grift and it's about who you know and uh you know you're trying to get a taste of that corruption whereas uh i feel like carmela still has these sort of naive ideas about the meritocracy and uh yes. you know education and all that and and th- this that's where this scene really that's where this really shows up is in this scene is like she thinks that if car if uh if Meadow just goes and sees another person with an advanced degree, uh, she can get some sense talked into her about how important that is. When really she just goes and meets another rich, rich shithead like her. That's just a grown up yes. version of her. Yes. Yeah. I yeah. loved this scene yeah. as somebody that has been in therapy on and off my entire life and like mandated therapy by my mother to talk yeah. me out of things like going to Europe and getting finger pain by an Australian. I was like, they did this so perfectly. I think whoever did the styling for that therapist deserves every oh, award. Yes. Her chunky jewelry, mm. her linen outfit, her feet up on the couch, the way she talked to Meadow trying to like be an ally. Yes. Um, <laughs> it was just, it was so, it was chef's kiss. It was so perfect. And it made me realize that I'm at the age where I relate more to Carm than Meadow, which yeah. was kind of shocking oh. because- Meadow is such a like, little shit in this episode. Right? Yeah. And I was like, totally team Carm. And then as the therapist is talking about how, you know, education is a lifelong process and traveling is important and like, you know, getting some higher education degree is not like the key to happiness there was this dichotomy inside of myself where I was like, that is all true. Like the socialist <laughs> mm-hmm. to me is like, people should do whatever they want to be happy mm-hmm. and capitalism's a scam. Yeah. And then the 34 year old uh, corporate shill inside of me was like, fire, take this therapist degree away. She's yes. no longer allowed to be a yeah. therapist. Meadows never to see her again. I saw one therapist as a teenager that my mom sent me to. I saw her one time. She took my side. I told my mom I never saw her again. <laughs> so this hit close to home. Yeah. To say the least. Yeah. And uh, you, you're right on the money with like, she tries to be an ally and it's great because you can tell that she is not used to this particular type of uh i guess family dynamic and she's trying to find other reasons why meadow is there and uh i i have a a clip of it you were drinking smoked a joint with my friends too that's okay as long as you didn't deliberately purge meadow i'm gonna ask you a question about dad this may be very painful for you Did dad ever molest you? No. I don't tell them what we discuss, Meadow. 
Yeah, I don't think so. What about mom? God, no. Unless you consider obsessing about my fucking GPA and assault. I just... <laughs> I mean, What about mom? Tell me who who fucked you, who touched your kid. I mean, this whole episode know. is sort of about like uh, about willful blindness to the most obvious uh, aspect of all their lifestyles, which is yeah the mafia thing. You know, it's like she she keeps looking for shit. Like, oh, what is really going on here? Maybe she has an eating disorder or she has been molested instead of the obvious thing that they just talked about, which is that her right. father is in the mafia, and it's the same yeah. thing. Uh, with Christopher where he's like pointing out that uh, all these things about Adriana's new friend and he's like mm-hmm. you know you didn't get it like you didn't think about that like what about yeah. and, then he's like, and then he's like duh she's a dyke yeah <laughs> like yeah okay you got it buddy I love how the therapist says dad like not your dad and mom not your mom it's like mm-hmm. it's like a tactic she learned in like therapy 101 yes. to like make you feel closer yes um she just seems like such a hack and <laughs> I also think it kind of speaks to like I feel like this was the time in America when they started realizing that everybody's molesting and raping each other and so like ther- that became a big part of therapy is like you yeah. know talking about sexual abuse for the first time it, so it, just like sh- straight going to that it just feels like she took like an intro to psych course at community college and was like all right say dad not your dad and right. also rape and yeah, then was yeah. like all right i got it yeah it feels I got the linen i got the turquoise jewelry let's do it yeah it feels very much um like when you can tell someone when someone's trying to sell you a timeshare or they're using like the pickup artist tactics on you where like they think they're being sly and you just see every bullet point of whatever fucking article they read right before yeah yeah i mean it's she's basically asking the same line of questioning that adam carolla did on love line i mean like that was as far as she got you know she's just like who fucking raped you tell me who touched you well, and like the fact that she like it was like no it wasn't my dad and then she's like what about your mom what about your what about your <laughs> yeah. mom touched that pussy like she just really is like hey listen this is the cheat code that i've been given and if none of these are hitting then i don't know what to do and meadow is really good at deflecting in this way where she was like not unless you consider you know obsessing over my grades and assault and then she immediately takes the bait and is like, well, your mom has to learn that, you know, education is a lifelong process. Like, like Meadow is better at manipulating the therapist and the therapist is at getting any real information out of Meadow. And it's, uh, it's that soprano gift. It, they all are genetically predisposed to bullshit and, uh, and praying so that, on each other and praying on each other. Yeah. And like, so they all use their, their powers of manipulation, uh, but for like different purposes. Um, and it's great. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. 
Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Uh, it, it, this entire storyline wraps up with um, kind of the, I think of all of the Sopranos episodes that we've watched, um, I, I don't know if I've seen like a tour de force of acting uh, that was so strong that contained three different characters uh, at like the top of their game. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's this blow up scene uh, between Meadow, Carmela, and Tony that is just like so fucking good. And every every actor in the scene crushes it. And uh, um, yeah, and it's like, I, I have a clip of it. It's just very impressive to me. Did you tell Wendy that you didn't work all summer? Wait. You're right. I forgot to mention the pivotal role of the work ethic in this family. You can lose that smart mouth right now. What is this, Afghanistan? I'm over 18 now. I'm a grown woman. I can go where I want and do what I want. All right, Jesus God, we know that. Is that your only point here? Because just getting what you want is for babies, not adults. Your mother doesn't want it. Wow. Listen to Mr. Mob Boss. What did you call me? Tony. Shut up. Tony! You got something you want to say to me? What do you mean? What do I mean? What do you mean? All these innuendos. You inferring to me that I didn't do everything I could to keep that kid from fucking himself up? That I didn't try to be a better dad to him than his own dad? God rest his soul. That I didn't try to protect Jackie Jr.? That I didn't actually smack him around because I was so frustrated? Is that what you're trying to tell me? I'm through telling people you help with environmental cleanup. That's not what I asked you. Like, you could talk honestly for three fucking seconds. You tried me. I made my plans. I'm going to Europe and I'm getting the fuck out of here. You've been told no. Watch me. Don't do it. I'm warning you. Do not do it. So fucking You're telling good. me that I wasn't a, wasn't being a good father? I even smacked him around a little yeah. bit. I even did violence to him. <laughs> I even what did greater violence. way to show that I care other than doing great violence to him? Yeah. <laughs> so you know what's weird about that scene is that uh, the next time we see Meadow, she's registering for classes. I I love that. I I it's it's yeah. Maybe it was just like she was being practical and decided like you know being in New York, uh, you know at Columbia is running away anyway. I think she's just too provincial for it. Like she's just a like she's she's a Jersey chick. Like she doesn't she doesn't really belong with like the running around Europe, hanging out with uh, the Dogma crew who's shooting a feature on DV Cam. Like she knows that's not her deep down. I think. Yeah, and and I think you're right. It is like she's true too provincial. She knows that she's too provincial to get honorable mention at the Winnipeg Film Festival for a short. Yeah, <laughs> and I think she, I think she may have met her match uh, for the first time intellectually in that in that scene. Um, where she feels like she can kind of like, I don't know, she feels like she's smarter uh, than her both of her parents and she's more of an intellectual and they both kind of like take her to school. <laughs> and so she just ends up going back to school, seeing what classes are available and then choosing the uh philosophy class, which as soon as I saw it, I went, oh no. Like this <laughs> is, oh, because she's like, dude, I need to... 
I need to like fucking arm. I need to like arm up for fucking round two because these guys uh, they kind of got me. <laughs> yeah, that was my alternate title for this episode was morality, self, and society. Yeah, yeah, that was the uh, the name of the class that she signed up right. for, which is just oh boy, she's gonna get more insufferable. So <laughs> I I love that because the worst people on earth are the ones that don't know that morality is is relative yeah. <laughs> that makes you the worst person on right like you'll never yeah. find a worse person than someone who's like a professor of ethics or like a fucking yeah. uh you know yeah. like the the ethics uh chair at some company or something like that yeah yeah they they um, are hey guys uh-huh uh i gotta pee i can leave oh. the door open it's only an extra 50 bucks you, uh, you no, no, you, you can uh you can close the door wait, wait, check us out I, at pod yourself a gun dot only dot p <laughs> podcast let's get into uh i think the main storyline here uh between um chrissy uh chrissy's story and adriana's story um yeah. this was impressive because uh this actually made me feel sorry for the fbi inf- informant which that's, really yeah it did like because I, I was i was like imagining having to hang out with the, these two like a fucking junkie and his shitty mob girlfriend uh who are like uh-huh. fighting and doing you know they're like yeah. doing drugs it, does, it doing... does suck to hang out with a junkie let oh. me tell you <laughs> fuck you bro <laughs> what you trying to say i was cool as shit when i was a junkie no, you were you were a really fun junkie <laughs> Yeah, you were I, fun was as just, fuck, dude. I was just screaming about fast food. You know, yeah, I was. Yeah. Chris Moltisanti is a much more um, emotionally fraught junkie than I was. Yeah. I mean, I was emotional, but uh, I was also like, you know, just trying to kick it, have a good time. Um, I wonder but if yeah. Christopher's feet stink like yours did. When, I, I mean, you know, probably. I don't know. No, I feel like that dude had like a. He he was a junkie, but he definitely like he took a lot of showers, you know. Yeah, you'd have yeah you'd have to. I mean, it's it's interesting what's happening with Christopher in this episode because, like, my read is that uh, well, first of all, he kind of has and already has like an emotional cycle where he's he feels like he's uh, he's he's like what do you call it itchy? I don't know. Uh, touchy well, how do you, like he's irritable from the heroin yeah 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 yeah. he's yeah. like irritable and depressive from the heroin part half the time and then yeah. half the time he's like super grandiose from like the coke and uh just yeah he's going through like a little uh like little manic episodes brought on you know due to substance abuse yeah and then this episode like he's gotten promoted to you know, part-time capo. And that seems to have exacerbated his like grandiosity. And suddenly he just constantly thinks he's the shit. Yeah. So he's, he has just been, uh, he's taken over Polly's crew while Polly is in jail pending a gun charge. And, um, it kind of comes out of nowhere. And Patsy Parisi is obviously a little bit miffed about it. And, um, there's a uh, Patsy Parisi is like a really good toxic coworker too because yeah. it's like he's openly hostile to the boss and the entire workplace for basically like the <laughs> half of the previous season where he's like pissing in the pool and he almost right. gets whacked and yet when someone else gets promoted above him he is now angry like that spot should have been his 
Uh, yeah, it, it is. It's like the perfect distillation of just like the the Stockholm syndrome that anyone who works in corporate America goes through, you know, where you're just like you fucking hate everyone and you hate your boss and you're just like, but why didn't I get the fucking promotion? You know, <laughs> yeah. it's like it's very real. And, uh, you it's know, too real, man. <laughs> It's too fucking real, man. Like, oh yeah, I watched that thing and like, oh, I've probably been that person at least three times. Oh, for sure, for (laughs) sure. My last job, I was that person. I was like, everyone except me who works here, uh, who the higher ups are all fucking dumbasses and whatnot. (laughs) And then someone else would get a promotion, and I'd be like. Oh, I'm gonna fucking either kill someone or I'm gonna fucking get a promotion, and like, and you're, you're just like, you're mad that the idiot who you hate isn't like praising you. Right. And well, you're just like, my my mistake is always being like, you know what? Everyone else here is a fucking kiss ass, and I'm not gonna be a kiss ass, and people are gonna realize and see how real I am, and uh, yeah, and, yeah. and appreciate me more, and like yeah. that never ever never works. works. That was my that was my entire uh, strategy for getting girls too. <laughs> yeah. It was like it was like you know what I'm gonna do? Never look at a girl or talk to them. Then, <laughs> then eventually they're gonna want to fuck because they're gonna be like, what about this untapped piece of ass? Yeah, and he seems so know? genuine by the fact that he's not talking to me or looking at me or hitting on I, me. I could tell he respects women because he will not look <laughs> at me in the eye. Um, yeah, honestly. Kind of, I'm What's into that. that. Yeah. <laughs> you Men like should that. look at us less. For <laughs> sure. I mean, if it's hotter, dude, I I just wish it worked because uh, I noticed that uh, I didn't have like good success rate with never talking to women. Yeah, that one. Uh, I mean, didn't work out super well I don't me. know if that's uh, uh, since I've known you, you've only dated the most beautiful, kindest women. <laughs> well, not not when I, uh, but that's when I started uh, oh, talking yeah. to women. It was like when I was like twenty. Four twenty-five. Yeah. That's when I learned how to talk to girls. You started uh, lumming. I started lumming, dude. That's when I realized that you got to lum lum the bum. You know what I loved was when Chrissy. I forget who he says it to. Was it to Silvio when he mm-hmm. when he's like, "I'm gonna put gray stripes in my hair." Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Is it who did he say it to? To, to Sil. Yeah. He's, and Sil is like his face is just so disgusted and it's such a cringe moment and I loved it. Yeah. Chrissy just like he, the power has gone straight to his dong and he's yeah. lost his mind. And he's not taking it seriously at all. He's only like, hey, I can make a joke out of it. Look at me. I'm king yeah. of the castle. Yeah, and and I think that um, you know Silvio's got this weird arc that's just kind of like wrapped up in uh, a couple of scenes where you realize that like yeah I didn't quite understand his arc in this. yeah okay so so Chrissy um, and Patsy uh, Parisi um, first they they do like a uh, a heist uh, on the Esplanade they steal some of the construction uh, workers shit which was they steal fiber optic cable and then. Tony is, finds out about it. Which is a great comment just on the mafia in general that it's not enough to uh, like get five no-show jobs uh, right. and like and, and to and yeah. to and to take money out of this project, you also have to steal from the construction site that you're already yeah. having getting a no-show job from. They're not just bleeding the taxpayers, but they're bleeding like individual taxpayers. <laughs> like, <laughs> like you guys they're bleeding like the guy who gave them the shitty no-show jobs. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, because that's what the, they're the fucking piranha. You know, they're they're trying to fucking skeletonize the the goddamn cow. They don't just want to like take a little bit. Um, but uh, so what ends up happening is like 
Tony yells at Chrissy saying, like, get your shit together. Stop stealing from this multi-million dollar fucking grift we got going. And then Silvio allows Patsy to steal more shit from it. And yes. a- and he says, don't worry, I'll, 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 I'll take the heat for it, essentially. And so, then they have a scene. Yeah. Okay. So I have, I have a question about that. So like, okay. my first read on it was, I was like, oh, is like Silvio jealous of Christopher somehow? Which... I didn't really understand because Silvio's like already a capo and he's already kind of like the boss's kind of right-hand man. But then now that I think about it, like he was the one trying to get Patsy whacked in the last episode. Was this his way of like trying to get Patsy fucked over? I'm honestly unsure as to what they were trying to set up there, but it seemed like they were trying to set up like like Silvio as being someone who's going to start taking liberties uh, for whatever reason. Um, cause he clearly does, but, um, despite whatever was going on there, uh, there's just a great scene between Chrissy and Patsy, uh, over at the, at the Esplanade construction site in which they have just a beautiful fight. And, uh, I have a clip of that. Which opens on the sign that says Newark, the other city by the bay. Yeah. Which is <laughs> great. Oh, look what the cat dragged in. Fucking floor tiles now. You little fucking prick. Ho, ho, come on. Talk to Silvio. He gave the order, you stupid fuck. You work for me, not fucking Silvio. I told you to knock it off. I'm calling the police. And don't think I forgot about you going through my fucking fiance's underwear drawer. It wasn't me, you fucking jerk. We'll see, huh? So, who the fuck are you? Ralph Bunch over here. Get him to the fucking hospital. Make sure he keeps his mouth shut. Keep your fucking mouth shut. I like that the guy is like convulsing on the ground, and the only advice he gets is, "Hey, keep your mouth shut." <laughs> yeah, I mean, also that was just excellently delivered. Where uh, he he's like, and another thing, I, I caught you, you know, smelling my wife's underwear. And he says, that wasn't me. And he goes, well, what was his response? We'll like, see about we'll that. See. It's like a non sequitur, <laughs> which is like the exact kind of thing that happens when two guys are yelling at each other in a fight. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, it's, I love it. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. More for me. Like, it reminds, <laughs> reminds me of that Brett Weinbach joke where you just randomly use more for me, like, at, <laughs> at random moments. Like, hey, do you like Titanic? Nah. <laughs> All right. More for me. Uh, <laughs> but, like, yeah, I, I, I love them just, uh, you know, taking out their anger on the the one construction guy who's like i'm gonna call the cops and everyone's like whoa 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 we're just trying to murder each other over here and now you want to get the police involved (laughs) all right let's uh let's beat this man to death it's uh you gotta wonder what those construction guys are thinking because you know like they haven't been told what's going on with all these mobsters just hanging out there like they're just on a job and uh they probably have no idea like who these guys are working for and why they're there and what they're doing. I mean, I think they get it. I, you you imagine that some of them, like the dumb ones are, are like the guy who is going to call the cops, not knowing that these dudes are fucking m- mobbed up guys. And then I think most people are probably like, eh, just let them do it. I'm just going <laughs> to put my head down and get to work. Cause how do you not know? I mean, yeah. when you see that many fat Italians with thin socks, you know, what do you think they're doing? 
you know Vito his body is just incredible his body is like a constant sight gag in every scene that he's in it's it is magnificent the dude looks like the the blue the blueberry lady from Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory like perfectly round body like short little arms like a T-Rex and then like little Vienna sausage fat fingers It's just one of my favorite moments in all of Sopranos is Vito giving the blowjob. Oh, yes. <laughs> Spoiler oh alert. God. I think you got another what, like 10 episodes or something. But Oh, yeah, we're, we're getting there for sure. But oh, oh man, God, just because you delight. You know that that guy, I mean, he's got an appetite, so you can tell. <laughs> he loves that. sucking dick. Dude. He loves it. <laughs> he, he loves, loves it. it. Like, God damn, that guy probably sucks a mean dick. Sorry, spoiler alert. Vito's Spo- gay as hell. Yeah. <laughs> Bless him. Uh, yeah. So, uh, I mean, maybe that's what it was. Maybe Sylvia was just mad that, um, you know, like Chrissy is going to be capo for this particular multi-million dollar mm. grift. And maybe he's like, Chrissy, you're going to give this one to Chrissy as opposed to him who, you know, like could could have overseen that crew and, and had money. Maybe he just wanted the money. I don't know. But it uh, doesn't really matter because the main storyline, or at least the one that lasts um, throughout the rest of the series, is Adriana and Danielle, her best friend, who came out of nowhere one day and just said all the right things. Mm. And now they're hanging out. And uh, she opens Again, up to Danielle. Being like a married FBI agent with a young baby at home and a husband, and you got to hang out with like cokehead uh, mafia chick and her heroin addict boyfriend. Who yeah, boy, a- talk about a bum assignment. Yeah, I mean, you know, I don't know. It kind of depends on who you are. I feel like, it, yeah. you know, I feel like you I'm, get in. Sign me up. Yeah, I feel like <laughs> riveting. You, yeah, the type of people who want to join the FBI are the exact type of people who would find just life sitting around looking at a baby to be an abhorrently boring life. Mm. So I, I, I imagine that she's into it. I mean, you see how much she gets dressed and all the work she puts into doing it. Like that's an, there's an interesting it. moment where you know Chris puts his hand on her thigh, and I, I can't tell if she thinks that she's gonna have to go along with this uh, threesome to stay undercover, or I mean, she's obviously like disgusted, but yeah, she, uh, but it's hard to tell whether she's gonna go along with it in that moment. Yeah, it is hard to tell. Um, it's it's an interesting scene because like. It's the moment that kind of ends up fucking up her cover completely. Like she is like up until this moment, Chrissy has been nothing but rude to Danielle. Um, and finally, Chrissy's in a good mood. He's been made capo and he's, you know, sitting there with these two beautiful women. And he well, starts- and he, he thinks she's gay. So he's like, oh, oh, now I can. He thinks she's a lesbian. So yeah, he's like, oh, that's... I can. This is what lesbians do. That's yeah. exactly not, right. It's not what lesbians do at all. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> Matt, did you not pick up on that? No, I missed that. <laughs> I thought it was just in general. He was just like, oh, I could get this to, to work out. But now no, he, she, she is a lesbian. So she is, he assumed that automat- it was like automatic threesome time. Yeah, automatically. I love he, that scene so wow. much because so many basic cis straight men are just like oh lesbian three-way like yeah, that's right. where their brain goes you I know what lesbians then, love to do have sex with me yeah also, <laughs> all I add a girl like, in there so they're comfortable 
I don't, when they offered her Coke, I was like, number one, do a bump. It's just yeah. Coke. Yeah, and, you're allowed to. Like, do your job. And number two, <laughs> just like blow out of your nostril versus in. Like, nobody will notice if it's just a little bump. Like, we've all been there. You know? yeah. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> but I loved, I loved that scene because um, when they get in the fight after Adriana notices that he has his hand on the FBI woman's leg. Yeah. Um, he, his excuses. Uh, she took my hand and she was rubbing it on herself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dying, laughing, imagining a woman like taking someone's hand yeah. and just rubbing it <laughs> up and down his dead hand up and down. The and mechanics then they, they, of it. They get into this big fight and then they're arguing about it. And, um, and AIDS like, Oh, you said she had a nice ass. And he's like, she's your friend. I was trying to say something nice about her. <laughs> <laughs> and it was just like, it was such good Chrissy material. It was, it, it was, was perfect. It was like yeah. sixth grade gaslighting and it all worked, which yeah. is the beauty of it. Like he was like, Oh, yeah. she's telling me about her fucking pants. Like I care. And when he was like the one who, yeah. you know, was checking her out to begin with. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I, I, I love that they start off the scene where he is just like telling them that they should form a rap group, essentially. <laughs> uh, yes. And like that was his like into the whole thing. And I, I, I have a clip of that. What we do is start our own group. I'll be the singer and you two can bag me up. Oh, please. <laughs> right. What? It's so hard to rap. My bitch, my hoe, my hoe, my bitch, my bitch, bitch. What? The joke? Stop. You didn't want to back me up. My bitch, my hoe, my hoe, my bitch. My bitch, my hoe, my hoe, my bitch. My bitch, bitch. What? My bitch, bitch. What? My bitch, 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 bitch. My bitch, my hoe, my hoe, my bitch. My bitch, my hoe, my hoe, my bitch. My bitch, bitch. What? My bitch, bitch. What? My bitch, 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 bitch. What are you doing? What? Go. What? Hang out. What's the matter? You piece of fucking shit. Oh, what the fuck? What did you think? You were going to fuck the two of us? You in those fucking videos. My bitch, my hoe, my hoe, my bitch. My bitch, my hoe, my hoe, my bitch. She came on to me. She took my hand. She was rubbing it on herself. Uh, rubbing it on herself. Uh, my bitch, my hoe, my hoe, my bitch. My bitch, my hoe, my hoe, my bitch. My bitch, bitch. Uh, Bitch, bitch. <laughs> wow, was that the uh, chopped and screwed remix of the show? <laughs> wow! Oh Matt, man, incredible work! You know, I just uh, as soon as he said it was easy to rap, I was like, uh, "Let's see how he sounds." And I got to admit, it, that shit slaps. Good. Yeah, Pretty that was good. very much like the you know guy does one bump and immediately starts telling you about the restaurant he's going to open. Oh, 100%. Uh, yeah. He's, this dude was like so confident that he was like, I could be a rapper and you guys could be my fly girls. Like, we've all I had think, that conversation. I think COVID. guys in the mafia are just like when when you do a line and start telling everybody about the t-shirt company that you're going to start, but then they actually do it. That's the crazy thing. Right. Anyways, uh, one thing leads to another. And of course, aid. Uh, because of the fact that she fucking fucked up uh, by being mad at fucking Danielle for no reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, Did like, you move his hand away? That was her. <laughs> I yeah, that part. Uh, it was great. I mean, y- you got to hand it to fucking uh, to, to Chrissy. I mean, the dude gas- gaslights with the best of them. I mean, got mm-hmm. her to completely turn on her friend. 
um, and, you know, fucks up the FBI's entire plan, and they decide to just, like, fuck it. Let's go to fucking our usual plan A, which is to just invent crimes. Uh, <laughs> well, and- she did have coke no, well, it's not so much invent crimes. That it, first of all, most of the time they invent crimes. Uh, and then uh, sometimes they just take a little crime and tell you it's a big crime sure. and that you will go to jail forever and you will die. And like straight up, you know, fucking just the scumbag shit that the FBI does. And they do it to this poor, you know, basically innocent woman who uh, who's never going to know shit who's never going to learn anything important and they decide, uh, Hey, well, we'll just scare the shit out of her. And, um, and yeah, and there's a great scene at the end with, uh, aid and Danielle. We're not asking you to wear a wire. We're not asking you to testify. We just want information. Is your name even Danielle? It's not. What if I say no? If you say no, you'll be placed under arrest and charged with possession and intent to distribute cocaine. Oh, my God. And after you make bail, you can explain to Tony Soprano why you brought an undercover federal agent into his home during Sunday dinner. Oh, my God. We'll probably oh never God. hear about it, though. Oh, my Chances God. Chances are you and Christopher will just disappear. <laughs> it's so much barf, too. It's <laughs> it's the most barf. It's a bucket of barf. And... <laughs> Just brilliant I'm so glad writing. they did that. Yeah, that would one thousand percent be my response to be inter by being interrogated by the FBI. One hundred percent. Yeah. It, in fact, bark. it reminded me the most of you. I think uh, <laughs> in this episode where I was just like, "This is a perfect Amelia Katie episode" because just the way she barfs and <laughs> and have you ever just... seen me barf? I imagine you have. Oh, many times. At least once. <laughs> At least once. <laughs> We, we had some times back in the day. I've seen you oh, barf. We ha- oh, we had some time. We had some time. Oh, we had some time. Uh, I thought no. Drea DeMatteo, I thought it was one of her best scenes Me on too. the show. She's Me too. so good. And when she said, is your name really Danielle? Oh, <laughs> yeah. crushed me. It, crushed it, me. It hurts so bad because it's like, she's so good at asking that in a way that is dead serious and like also it's the stupidest question she could have possibly asked <laughs> right. you know yeah. and you just feel yeah. like you just you feel so bad for her because you're like you are fuck you are way too stupid to be in this situation like this is going to go badly for you you know you are not you don't you don't have the emotional capacity but also just intellectually you're not going to be smart enough to know what to do in this situation and another like, pro tip for yeah. any listeners that don't know Rule number one in all of your lives is never talk to the cops ever, never. ever, ever <laughs> under any circumstances. You always ask for a lawyer. I don't care what the circumstances are. Yeah. Yeah. Always it's funny, ask like, for a lawyer. When I'm listening to true crime shows and even when I know like the criminal is a monster that did the crime uh, when they like agree to be interrogated without the lawyer and then they just start talking. It still, yeah. it still makes me mad because I'm like, what are you doing? Don't do yeah. that. You're just telling them yeah. everything. Yeah, you put yourself at the scene of someone where someone got shot. Now you're on the hook for felony murder. Yeah, it is. Uh, it's it's real stupid and uh, easily avoidable if you know the one rule, which is uh, don't talk to the police ever, ever, ever. And that brings me to my alternate title for this episode, which is just a cab. <laughs> That's a good. Yeah, you're 100 percent right, because in terms of this episode and pretty, pretty much every Sopranos episode. 
Uh, yeah, yes. all all cops are 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 bastards. I think uh, all... I think they could have gone into this FBI agent's life a little more because, which and I rarely say that because they you know they go off in every direction and do justice to almost every character. But uh, yeah, I, I I am curious about her life of having to hang out with. Uh, you know Adriana, while she's trying to be an FBI agent with the little kid and and Will yeah. Arnett at home. Well, I mean, they, they in lieu of showing kind of like who she is in her regular life, they kind of do make her uh, essentially two dimensional because, like, as soon as she is back in like FBI gear, you know, she's like wearing a fucking power suit and she's got like her hair pulled back and shit. Uh-huh. L- like she is, she's like full sociopath. Right. Like she, well, you'd have feels- to be because you had to like she had to be this woman's best friend for months. Where like that's yeah. basically all she's doing, uh, and all so that she could eventually like fuck that person over. Right. And, and, and when like, she when they yeah. pull over to the curb and aides there and they're like get in the car and she exposes herself as an FBI fbi agent you can tell she feels no shame or embarrassment she's just like yeah fuck you and i was like oh you know who the real sociopath is is you like not even the people in the mob it's your fbi ass that Uh has no remorse for fucking over this woman and getting her to share her like deep secrets with you like you're the real sociopath yeah which leads us to our yeah Yeah. segment the real gangster yeah, yeah. The, the real gangster, absolutely the FBI. And uh, yeah, Vince, I don't know what you expect to see in the like in the time in between where Danielle, you know, being a pretend fucking, you know, uh, Guido uh, lady or I don't know what you call a female, a Guida. Mm-hmm. Um, like, what is she doing in her in between time? Like killing small animals uh, <laughs> and uh fucking just like just staring like, at, at I don't a black know. I neighbor think it would wear on her a little bit or i would hope it would i don't know yeah i think if they had tried to make the fbi kind of uh, or at least her character more you know three-dimensional maybe they would have shown that but uh, and they I mean you know they, 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 they already a, made that movie and it was called donnie brasco and it was amazing but and it was uh, amazing yeah so, so yeah. good. i don't know i feel like yeah i feel like especially post 9-11 everyone in the fbi was just like so riled up and was just mm-hmm. like we gotta stop all crime because the towers you know yeah. like she didn't I- give a fuck yeah, no, now they get to to finally do real police work, aka uh putting a wire in a mosque somewhere, hoping they hear <laughs> yeah. terror plans. Like that's yeah. what the FBI is gonna become uh at this point. And uh you know, I gotta say, uh I- I'm I'm very much looking forward to uh all the FBI agents being bored out of their fucking minds because uh none of them uh speak Arabic and uh, know what to do about <laughs> terrorism. No one gets to do no one gets to do coke with Chrissy in the in the club yeah. where uh the Neckbreakers or whatever that band was playing. Yeah. <laughs> it is it's the Neckbreakers. Real band. Real band Re- from Jersey. Yeah. What you looking at? What you looking at you? I was like, cool. Every band on The Sopranos is like, man, I've never heard this deep cut Stones track. Why does it suck so much? And then you realize that. (laughs) That is so true, dude. Every song is just like, oh, cool. This is bad. Um, Anyways, um, let's do favorite, least favorite. Um, There's a scene we didn't talk about, but it's my favorite. So I'll talk about it. Yeah, make it your favorite. What's what's your favorite favorite scene? My favorite scene was, I think it was only like less than one minute long. And out of the blue, 
you know, oh, okay. So what we didn't cover is Tony goes over to Janice's unannounced. Mm-hmm. And, oh, yes. And Janice is watching whatever this documentary about war is. No, it's with Faces Ralphie. of Death. Oh, it's Faces, Faces of, death. of Death. Which is exactly Ralphie. what Ralphie and Janice Soprano should be watching yeah. together. Two yes. psychos just <laughs> l- rock, like living it up, living yes. it up. And, um, and it's broad daylight, which I really like too. Like watching Faces of Death ever is yeah. weird, but like in broad, da- it's like the middle of the afternoon and they yes. haven't put clothes on, you know, yeah. and they're just like, 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 like pre-dinner, pre-dinner. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 And, uh, I love that scene because Tony comes in and he looks under the kitchen table and he sees one of Ralphie's shoes and he picks it up and he just instantly knows it's Detective Ralph, Ralphie Cipperetto. He picks it oh. up by the tassel. That's the best. Yeah. The tassel. Disgusted. He's so disgusted. And you see in that moment, like Janice really does want his approval. Like she yeah. really, and he plants a seed. He plants a seed about Ralphie being a piece of shit, which is like undeniable to anyone but Janice. But Ralphie right. probably lays pipe because she clearly is like into it at this point. Yeah. And good dick will imprison you. As we all know. As we all know. And um, and then that, I mean, it must, it's like a 30 second scene where it's just her in bed watching TV and Ralphie on the bed trimming yes. his toenails. And it to- <laughs> one of the bits of his toenails, and it comes out of the blue, flies and smacks her in the face. And she's so disgusted and you can just see it's like a turning point in her yeah. relationship with You're him. Right. It, and he and his response is, did you catch did you catch some shrapnel? <laughs> and it's like it's the most disgusting. It makes you hate him even more, which I didn't know was possible. Yes. And so that was probably my favorite. Such yeah, a dad a, joke. I yeah. love it. It's a 30 second scene. Yeah, I remember thinking like this is the shortest scene ever and it does so much yeah. work. And that's another it's, yeah. that's like one of my favorite things about I assume it's David Chase's sensibility that he wrote this with Terrence Winter, but just like mm-hmm. the willingness to go scat at a moment's notice. I think the it like yeah. the toenail scene and then the puking. It's both it's just like it's going from, you know, prestige yeah. to like, oh, nope, now they're puking on each other. I love yeah. it. Yeah. Also, honorable mm-hmm. mention, favorite mm-hmm. scene, obviously the therapy scene. Really, like, mm-hmm. again, I know that that's real. I know yeah. from personal experience how real <laughs> it is. The final scene, uh, there has been some criticism of David Chase's ability to end things. Mm. I oh, thought I haven't last... heard that. Mm, no, you haven't. <laughs> you should that's check strange. out this podcast that I listen to sometimes. <laughs> uh, I, I thought the final scene where Carm's in the bath and. Uh, and what is what does Tony say? Tony's like, uh, oh, she goes, it's me, it's me she blames about Meadow. And he goes, mm-hmm. what for? And then Carm just gives out a heavy sigh and then Radiohead plays. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was pretty incredible. It's pretty and great. And then I also loved the scene where Tony, Carm, and Meadow are fighting that you played a clip for. Yeah. And I especially like when Tony yelled, what the fuck's in Europe? Yeah. <laughs> it's a really funny thing to say. Yeah. Those are my favorite scenes. My least favorite scenes were any, probably the like uh, Mary Higgins Clark scene, just because uh, it triggered my issues. Yeah. Mommy yeah. Issues. That's fair. That's fair. Alternate and- title, mommy issues. Nice. I like. 
Um, Vince, favorite, least favorite. Uh, this is this is sort of a callback to the John Favreau episode, which I, I really enjoy. Anytime they have an opportunity to like rip on Hollywood and uh, you know, like the like the film business, because clearly it's it's from a place of knowing. And so there's that scene where. <laughs> <laughs> where Meadow shouts, it's not a student film. It's a feature on DV cam. Alver hangs out with Dogma. He got honorable yeah, mention at the Winnipeg Film Festival for his short, which is like <laughs> all the perfect things. Because like yeah. live action shorts are basically, like short films are basically, uh, you know, welfare for rich kids. Yes, 100%. <laughs> They're like make work when programs. She says- when she says dogma, is she talking about dogma 95? Yes. Like the Lars von Trier? Okay. A hundred percent. Cause they're going to Denmark, yeah. I think. Yeah. Right. Right. Which like at that age, that was also what I was yelling at my mom. So I get yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, I don't really have a least fair. I thought this was a pretty solid episode. Even like, even the Melfi scene in this was actually doing work and I fucking hate therapy scenes generally, but in this, yeah. this episode, they're pretty good. Yeah, I agree. I, I I couldn't really settle on a least favorite, but my favorite scene um, is Ralphie playing basketball with Vito. Uh, yeah. It just it's a great scene. His outfit. Yeah, his outfit's great, but it's all just like it's kind of you know he's doing exposition basically, where he's just like working out like whether or not you know like hey you know it's a uh, Janice is. You know, not usually my type, but, you know, he's just doing boy talk, right? Where he's just like, but hey, and it would be good to be, you know, in the family, so to speak. And meanwhile, Vito is like just trying to keep up. He's like, I don't know who decided we're playing basketball, but I hate this. And uh, and it's great for fucking um, for Ralphie because Ralphie is just like he's just whooping his ass. Cause Vito, Vito is it's also I feel like it was kind of planting the Vito's gay seed because oh. you can tell he's like, oh, yeah, but Janice, though, titties, huh? Yeah, Gotta love those. Yeah. And uh, the hair on her head. Like, it just sounds right. the most like a gay man trying to be like, but uh, big old milkies, like, <laughs> yum, yum, you know? And it's like, it's so not heartfelt at all. Yeah, that's right. He totally is. He, he like names her hairstyle. He's like, yeah. he's like, oh, that hairstyle's called a whatever. Anyways, her tits are nice, huh? You're, yeah. you're right. It, it is like Loki said up like his uh yeah. his gayness you're also forgetting the subtle yet also on the nose brilliance of ralphie saying nothing but net after a shot clearly <laughs> hit the rim like 20 times before it went in <laughs> yeah. oh i love it i love that scene so much man it is uh it's fantastic and um yeah i mean in general i would say uh this episode i'd call it a solid b plus yeah b plus solid b plus the solidest. yeah the solidest of b pluses uh just a fantastic episode of the sopranos and a fantastic episode of pod yourself a gun you guys this was uh, a lot of fun uh amelia amelia katie thank you so much for coming on Thank you for having me. I mean, I would have liked this if I wasn't alone 90% of the time, but it was extra special. Like, as I was getting dressed, I picked out my nice underwear, you know? <laughs> this is radio. Like, it's it's really been a delight. Thanks thanks for having me on. Uh, thank you so much, Amelia. Uh, I, I love you uh, dearly. I You're a dear, you. dear friend. Thank you for coming on. 
patreon.com slash frockcast uh where we me and vince talk about other things other than sopranos and once again for eight dollars a month you can pod yourself a shout out and i will make up a mafia name for you and shout you out on pod yourself a gun frockcast at gmail.com for all your questions comments concerns vince what is the google voice number uh, first of all, apologize apologies to the people whose voicemails we haven't played, but we, we, will, we will get to them eventually. Uh, 415-275-0030. It will happen very soon. Uh, all right, everyone. Thanks so much for listening. And until next time, don't stop believing. Don't stop when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.